Hello, and welcome to episode 164 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of Rorschach number one by DC Comics. Your creative team is Tom King writer, Jorge Fornes on art, Dave Stewart on colors, Clayton Clouds on letters. This is your spoiler alert for Rorschach one, the HBO series in 2019, and the 1986 uh, 12-part series by DC Comics. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Noah, so as I glance over your shoulder and I see all of your multi-copies uh, of, of Watchmen here, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off with your, your initial thoughts on Rorschach number one? I was afraid that I would be kind of unintrigued by it because it's sort of uh, the last couple Tom King things I've read of like I've genuinely liked you know but I've never been like really excited about after the first issue of it mm-hmm. but this one I'm genuinely excited to see where this goes I think they've packed I think one of the problems I had with like Strange Adventures one is that it didn't pack enough into the first issue to get me really excited okay. whereas this one has so much in it just in the first issue and it really makes me excited for the rest of the series but what are your thoughts yeah, I I really like it as well. Um, I don't think there's a big surprise there. And this was this is like one of my favorite things about reading a comic is that like you know I had the first read of it and I read it and it's just sort of like a classic police procedural murder mystery. Um, but then it was like you know that initial read I read that, but then I also it's been, it's stuck with me for a few days. You know, I've read all of the, I read some of the newspaper articles about it uh, online. And um, I, you know, I actually sort of was lucky enough that I listened to the EOC where they were talking about it and they have a little bit more pull than, than, than we have. They, they texted Tom King in the middle of the episode and were able to get him to, to come on and clarify a few points. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's been one of those things that I read it, I enjoyed it. And like a good movie that sort of messes with your mind or, you know, it's just so sort of captivating. It sort of sticks with you for, for a couple of days. And that's sort of the same experience I have with, with this comic. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. What, what, did, what did Tom King reveal about the book? Or maybe we can get into it as we get into the book. Yeah, yeah, we can. Um, I think the, the, the biggest revelation was, um, and this is something that, that we'll touch on, is there was a little bit of conversation between the guys that if this was a continuation of the events of the HBO series that was Oklahoma uh, 2019, and, and this is, and I think you, you, depending on how you read that sort of reference to Oklahoma, um you could have read it one of two ways i read it as it was referencing because i in my mind i was thinking they would much more obviously be referencing something that happened six to eight months ago as opposed to you know referencing those those terrible events of you know black wall street um so i i I took it as that that reference to oklahoma was connecting the the HBO series so that was like really the biggest sort of insight that you got there I mean that was straight from from the creator's mouth okay and that's awesome because that was something we were speculating about when we did our Watchmen episode our Watchmen TV series episodes that they're going to do that in the comics um continue it and or maybe we talked about in another episode I can't remember 
but that's yeah I, I was really excited when i read that and i read the reference to tulsa and i was excited that it's in that continuity mm-hmm. and sort of building off of that I, I hope that's sort of uh i hope it sort of sparks other really good writers to sort of work in this world um that damon lindelof created as the offshoot of watchmen um but i i, I really like uh what how it connected to the Watchmen series, but also to the deep, uh, the deep cut comic roots of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll get into that as we get into the comic as well. But there's a lot of great meta textual, I guess, sort of meta moments in this book uh, that that pay reference to the history of of Watchmen and and comics in general. Yeah. So, what do you think about the decision? Um, which is an interesting decision. This is Tom King. This is Watchmen, but this is not the typical nine panel grid. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a lot of that nine panel grid in Doomsday. And I don't know necessarily, it's been so long, but I don't know. I feel like we got a little bit of that in some of the, the before Watchmen stuff. So for Tom King and a Watchmen you know, continuation story to, to go away from the nine panel grid is, is an interesting decision. I like that decision. It's cool to say that, you know, he's, it's cool to sort of be unpredictable, especially when he's known for being such a, for, for utilizing the nine panel grid in a lot of his work. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see him branch out and try different things and not necessarily be predictable in that way where, you know, I think both of us, our first thoughts going into this were, yeah, it's going to have nine panel grids and things like that. If it's doing, if he's doing a Watchmen, if he's doing a Watchmen book, but to have a lot of uh, like full page spreads and uh, and like you know full half pages and you know like each panel isn't necessarily uniform size, uh, it's cool. It's really cool to see that. And um, there's still a lot of Tom King isms in here as far as you know just how it's paced and the rhythm of the book, but it doesn't, it doesn't get to the place where it's trying to, it doesn't get lost in paying homage to the original Watchmen, I guess is a good way of saying it. Um, It has its own, it has its own feel, uh, but still, I guess at the same time does a good job of continuing the Watchmen story. Yeah. So um, let's, let's, let's jump into the comic, uh, you know, and again, we get, we gave spoilers for the book, but this, this first page, they, they drop us right in, you know, we yeah. have the, we have the four, um, you know, long panels, uh, you know, we have, we have somebody dressed as Rorschach running at us, um, yelling for a Laura, um, and, and then they're, and then they're shot uh, in the, in the, in the head, um, you know, at this point, and, and and still really at the end of the issue, um, as it continues, we don't know who the Laura is and we don't know who this person in the and the in the in the Rorschach mask is. So again, this is just dumping us right into to, to the mystery. Um, yeah, I like how it starts with this. Um, and I thought maybe it was gonna do like a uh, like uh, sort of a what I'm gonna try to think of um sunset boulevard thing where it would have a narration and be like this is how i died and this is how i was with rorschach you know that was another convention break when you have rorschach you always think in internal monologues mm-hmm. and even doomsday clock did that with the new rorschach is that you have the the internal you know third person not third person but uh you know 
this sort of like husky dialogue and um, to break that to basically be like, no, this, is, this isn't actually going to be from the perspective of Rorschach. It's going to be this police procedural, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that breaking that like, expectation. Yeah, and I think that could tie in a little bit, again, to uh, Tom King sort of going away from his sort of, for lack of a better term, like writerly crutches, because, you know, you know, we've had so many things that Tom King that are nine panel grids that incorporate either some sort of like, you know, really famous historical quote or like what we're getting in in, um, Strange Adventures, we're getting, uh, you know, we're getting quotes from sort of comic creators were getting that sort of uh, critique of the, the, the industry and sort of those insights. So we don't even, we don't even start, uh, we don't even start with, with those things as well. So I think, I think that's a, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. It's a really great, it's a really great choice. Also, I like how everything is sort of a, a conversation rather than like an internal monologue or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it doesn't go the regular detective route, at least in the first issue there's no uh, narrator, there's no cynical narrator to this, this story, um, yeah. no internal monologue. It's, it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a straightforward procedural um, where all the exposition is delivered in, in, uh, in other ways besides, any way besides a, an internal monologue. Yeah, so um, after the, the first page that we talked about, we get, we get the double page splash where we're looking down at the convention hall and we can see the two bodies uh, bloodied from, from the gunshots on, on the catwalk. Um, so uh, again, we're sort of getting bits and pieces of the, of the story as, as we get started. Um, but then after that, we, we switch to uh, two guys sort of talking through the, the case and that allows us to um, sort of give us some details and gives us a convenient place for for a flashback but uh what did you think about the 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 art and the and the storytelling on on these two pages here beautiful uh yeah Jorge Fornes and um and and Dave Stewart's you know mixed together is, is a great pairing in the arts it's incredible uh it's very cinematic it's it sort of it sort of bar, it follows in the sort of compositional language of, of Watchmen in that way mm-hmm. where the the it's almost it's very much so like you know what's shown is sort of what a camera could be could show you know um i really like that did you have any issues um because you know at this point there hasn't been a a caption that says you know washington dc 2020 were you at this point trying to figure out like what time that this takes place in um yeah i mean the 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 fornes art um, and I've, I've heard Tom King say this a couple of times and, and I can really see it is uh, when, when he um, sort of wanted to work with uh, Jorge Fornes, a lot of the, the folks were like, he looks like Mazzucchelli. And he was like, is yeah. that a bad thing? And like, so at this point I'm reading this and I'm like, I don't know what the time frame is, but I'm looking at these, these guys and I'm looking at the tech and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm reading the story, but at this point I'm still... I don't know who those people were that I saw get shot. And at this point in the story, I don't know really where we are and I don't know when we are. Yeah, the main detective especially looks like he's right out of a 70s detective film. Mm-hmm. And But the, the, the technology makes sense with the Watchmen TV series because everything in that series went back to analog because of the attack. Um, 
and also because of uh, all of the the technology that had been associated with Dr. Manhattan was thrown out. So anything involving that that could involve, like you know, give you cancer. Yeah, very true. I mean, these these they're they're they have corded phones. They're not yeah. going around with cell phones. There's there's pagers because pagers, there's yeah. the fear of the the radioactivity with all of the sort of you know what we learned from or possibly learned about Manhattan and the the effects that he he in the radiation would have had. So that does make sense here. But at this point, you're still trying to figure out the the time frame here. Yeah, and then they mention that it is 2020, and they they pay they they reference Tulsa and uh, the events of at the end of the Watchmen show, and I think that's I think that's coming up here. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. But moving forward, uh, I really like I I kind of one of the problems I had with this book is that I felt, um. I was never bored, but I did feel kind of like uh, the scene in the uh, the autopsy scene went on for a little, like a really long time. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of uh, like, I know they, they sort of flashed to different scenes, but they always cut back to the autopsy scene. And um, that sort of blends into the uh, the evidence room scene and the colors don't really differentiate them enough to make you to really draw attention that it's a new location. I think mm-hmm. looking at it now, there's some slight differences where there's sort of a turquoise color to the autopsy and it's maybe a little more, uh, it's a little more uh, ivory and a little more, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think, like a little more beige in the evidence room. True. Um, but it, I don't, at least for me, those two scenes sort of blended together and I didn't really feel like uh, it was that dynamic of, it was that dynamic of a change of scenery um in the sequence but i wanted to see what you thought of that no that all that all makes that all makes a lot of sense um uh, and so i i think sort of like putting this together um you know giving us the uh the action scene and the the dramatic splash at the beginning was was good because if they would have just sort of led off with the talk uh you might it might've been harder to capture somebody's attention, but I can see what you're saying about um, how long it goes on um, and the, the, the choices in the, in the coloring scheme to sort of differentiate when, once they go to the autopsy room um, and then sort of more of like the evidence room, there's, there's not a lot of change. Um, but I wonder how much of that is a function of uh, first issue having to, to set things up yeah, and I also one thing I think maybe that's throwing me off is that um, Fornes is is drawing the same type of floor in the first three locations, oh, not the okay. first three locations, but like he's got in the autopsy room and the evidence room, and then in the hospital room when the detective is talking with the guard, it's all this like uh, tile floor, and mm-hmm. all the squares are about the same size of the tiles, so it's hard to sort of differentiate at times. Um, I mean, it's very straightforward. Like the, in the dialogue, they give you clues as to where they're going next. But I still feel like maybe visually it would have been cool to have seen something a little more uh, less uniform and a little more dynamic for each switch so that now we can sort of have those mental markers in our eyes. Because then in the more for me, it's all about recall mm-hmm. and sort of recalling what happens in each scene. And when you can't really, when you don't differentiate that visually, it makes it harder to recall. 
No, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I can I can see what you're saying. As you were saying that, I I, I flipped through and I I didn't pick up on that, but uh, I do see I do see that now. Um, one page that is well, there's there's one page or that has a part of a flashback as the two guys are talking. But I thought the one page that was really was really good is when we see them sort of talking about the the mask, and that one yeah. has like a shift, um, so that um, again we don't you know. We, we don't have to be fed, you know, uh, a story narration that says then or says, you know, 24 hours ago or something like that. Um, I, I, I really like that page. And, and my favorite part of this page is the, the Dr. Manhattan mask peering yeah. at, the, at the guy as he as he walks out. It just it just looks amazing and just sort of it just really calls your eye. Um, it you know everything is sort of like a a yellowish tone and in, in that the the slight blue tone they give of that mask is is just really great. And there's a night owl one mask right behind it, um, and I'm I'm trying to see if the other mask is maybe something like hooded justice, but you really can't tell what it is. Um, yeah, that yeah that's awesome. I do love this scene. I love how um, I love. Uh, yeah, there's two, I guess there's two Dr. Manhattan masks on this. There's one in the second panel and then that one um, where the Rorschach mask is in the middle mm -hmm. on the left is a Night Owl 2 mask um, next to Rorschach and it's covered underneath the over $10 sign. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, trying to think, I think like on, if you look at the bottom, um, the bottom shelf underneath all those masks, the far right, the, the hairstyle looks an awful lot like Malin Ackerman's from the Watchmen movie. And then on the far left, it kind of looks like, uh, um, it looks more like Sally's hairstyle from the, the comic. Um, now I'm reading in this too deep. And then there's like a pirate one up above it. There's a lot of great references, <laughs> I guess, on this whole page. Uh, and then I'm looking at it. Is there a, uh, is there a pale horse poster on the door? Oh wow! Um, my my old eyes are not going to be able yeah. to, to pull that out, but that's not be awesome. very good. But I, I think there might be a reference to that up there. Yeah, right. either way, but that's yeah. There's a lot going on, on this page, and they talk about how the mask isn't the typical like Rorschach mask where it changes. It mm -hmm. is like it was bought from a like a costume store. So that's sort of one of the first sort of uh, I guess one of the first um, maybe like sort of like maybe miss i don't know what it is like it, it could right now it could either be a hint towards his real identity or a sort of uh misdirection i guess of his identity right now so it could be like no he's not the real rorschach but how the book ends says that no this is actually you know walter kovacs um and like the dna matches him um so it, it's weird like it's sort of interesting to see like this is sort of when the, the seeds of doubt, like you right here, you're sort of like, oh no, he's not the real Rorschach. He's someone else that got caught up in something. But then there's not. And then one more thing is that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the, uh, the pumpkin head is something that's sort of been popping up. Mm -hmm. I think that's gonna be one of our motifs. So I'm interested to see how that's going to develop. And uh, the Prince of Darkness thing, it's very, uh, it's very pale horse like, mm -hmm. which is from the regular book. And then of course, you know, they, they make the reference to that in the nine inch nails album and the TV show. But I think Prince of darkness is going to play in thematically as well. 
uh, with the pumpkin head going forward. So just noticing the motifs of things uh, that I'm guessing are gonna be developed as we go forward. So um, I was trying to flip back. Have the two detectives at this point um, referenced Oklahoma in, in their dialogue or have we, have we not got to that yet? It's like here because I think maybe they talk about, let's try to figure, I'll, I'll, I'll find it because it's, um, well, well, while you're while you're looking for that, because the, the question I have is, um, and I, I, I guess people would be, but like, who would want to wear a Rorschach mask after the events of Oklahoma? Right. Exactly. Like, what kind of knucklehead walks into a costume shop in 2020 Watchmen world and's like, yeah, I, I want to wear. A Rorschach mask. Well, who sells them too? It's like selling KKK masks, you know, in the in the world, right? Yeah, but I, I, you know, if there's a buck to be made, somebody, yeah, somebody's somebody's gonna gonna sell those. So, but maybe uh, and maybe because it's like Rorschach is uh, like Rorschach maybe is kind of like the Punisher maybe, you know, like how he is in our culture where it's like Punisher means something to like you and me as geeks and like and comic fans. So like maybe Rorschach means something different to people in that culture where it's like he can be the sort of historical figure that people like to like look into and enjoy reading the history about. Um, but he's also sort of like a symbol that like ultra right wing, uh, you know, uh, all, you know, ultra alternate right wing people can use to promote their violent beliefs. Yeah. You always have the people who don't, who don't under, well, in this, I don't want to, you know, get too much into it too, but you always have the people who don't understand the message. Like if you have a cop who's got the Punisher skull painted on his, his body armor, he doesn't, he doesn't understand yeah other than like the the cool logo and what he thinks the punisher sort of represents and then you'll have the people who dress up as like droogs from from clockwork orange and yeah. halloween to think that it's like it's something cool and you're like if you really like took a step back and you thought about it like you know beyond the the aesthetic and the the sort of over the top sort of violence. If you took like a real sort of step back, like you really wouldn't want to emulate that person. Yeah, I like, I think, um, and, and I think then there are the, uh, what are the, what are the, what's the group name in uh, the groups, like the hate group, the violent hate group in, in the TV show? What are they called? The, um, the, the Seventh Cavalry. Seventh Cavalry, you know, they're kind of like the, you know, than the like opposite end of the spectrum that sort of misinterpret the symbolism of, of Rorschach and not exactly though, but at, at the same time that they, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to find it, but I do remember the Tulsa reference. They make a lot of Re Redford, Robert Redford uh, references. And uh, yeah, I remember it being right at the beginning so um, while we continue to look for it, um, let's just sort of advance through the, the, the comic. I think one of the big key aspects is the, the, the one detective that's been called in. He goes to, um, 
he goes to visit somebody in the hospital. And again, the way this story has been sort of set out for us, they don't tell us who this person is at first. Sort of we 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 talk that we have the two people talking. He's obviously in bad shape. He's he's in a hospital bed. And uh, you know, he's he's talking about different things. And and the, the detective says, uh, that's because you're dying. Um, and then as we flip, we sort of go to a flashback and we understand who this, this guy is. He's one of the, uh, the security guards at, at the event where the, the shooting had happened. Um, I found where they reference Oklahoma. It's on the page we were obsessing about with, uh, with the costumes and the masks and stuff. Oh, okay. so the lines are, but there are millions of these things. It's a very popular costume referring to the Rorschach mask, even after Oklahoma. Is oh, the yeah. Very, but, yeah okay i see that but, yeah yeah good catch. then um yeah so that's what it is so even after oklahoma which i'm guessing that's definitely a reference to the seventh cavalry being wiped out by um uh by what's her name what's her the uh oh it was uh madam not um she was uh she was azim and yeah, yeah she was his, his daughter yeah um, yeah so yeah, but yeah, then but yeah, you're right. There's a security guard, which I think is. I hope this is sort of how the story develops um, throughout the book, where it's always from a POV of some other person. Mm-hmm. I, I'd really like to see that. I'd like to see that continued um, because they bring up one thing where uh, uh, Laura Cummings, the woman who was shot with Rorschach, she had a bullet wound that had been that she had gotten like a couple weeks earlier. And it was repaired. So I'm hoping that they come back to that, but it's all from like eyewitness perspective or people who saw events and had to figure it out. Like, I really hope that's sort of how things get developed. Um, but this sequence is really cool where they, they run into Rorschach. It's very mm-hmm. violent, but it's very well drawn and very well paced out. Um, yeah, like it's it's really great. And then it's it goes for like the first three pages, which was really cool. It's got this really great pace. And then that, that page turn to the splash is awesome. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I like that because um, other than the, the, the first two pages, um, this, is, this is the most sort of uh, action that we got. We got a lot of uh, left to right action, you know, um, the, the door always sort of being in the, in the same position. The camera doesn't move a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, you, for, for, you, you probably know who's on the other side of that door, but for, you know, a, for two pages, they, they sort are actually three pages. They sort of tease who's on, who's on the other side of the door. Um, so I, I do like that. And, you know, we've talked a lot about pacing, mm-hmm. so, um, it would have been very easy to, you know, sort of do that in a page or two pages, but they, they, they sort of stretch it out over, over four pages. So yeah, um, and it does give us the really cool sort of page turn and the, the, the first moment of uh, this Rorschach uh, in, in sort of in action. Um, and I did, imp- I did like his, uh, his word balloon um, yeah. as he looks down at him. The iconic room, like the yeah. gravelly thing. Um, one thing I like about this, and especially this 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 shot, it's um, it's from the POV of the security guard, like it's clearly looking up at him where the security guard would be looking up at him from. Mm-hmm. So in in the original Watchmen book, there's you always sort of objectively see 
the the fear you know uh that that rorschach inspires when he goes into places but it's all very objective and it's very like you know this is sort of what the scene looks like it doesn't really put you in the scene but it's still captivating obviously just by how gibbons draws it but in this sequence you really sort of get a visceral feeling like where you sort of are in the place of the security guard and it's really cool to have that pov of someone who's sort of experiencing being having the crap beaten or like shot by rorschach um which i really like that 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 sort of adds this almost like horror element to it where he's sort of like a michael myers in this sequence or Mm -hmm. something with somebody like that um but one thing that's interesting too that was sort of a, a nice sort of shock value was rorschach using a gun because I've not read before Watchmen, but like in the Watchmen book, he never uses a firearm. Okay. He'll use like, he uses his grappling hook and he uses other things, but he never uses a gun, which I think is sort of to pay, sort of follow the rules of like certain superheroes just don't use guns, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, like, or, or, or that kind of stuff. And like the comedian was sort of the one hero, then that was his thing that he used a gun. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was sort of a shock value. And that was also something that sort of threw me off and is sort of maybe a misdirection was him shooting the police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was a good sort of shock value and sort of something that threw me off, which I think is sort of brilliant about this book is that it sort of has all this stuff pushing you to think that this is not Walter Kovacs. Mm-hmm. And then in the end saying it is. So that just sort of raises a lot of con- questions with the like incongruity of the events and what we're seeing in the book um it's a great choice storytelling wise yeah so we get the we get the moment where it looks like he's going to you know shoot this guy and and finish him off completely um but uh he, he he runs away as he as he hears gunshots um and then and then our detective leaves he makes a phone call um, and so that sort of gives us a, a little bit more development into the into the story. I think these two pages here, um, the detective leaving, um, and just sort of some of the messages they're getting from from the tape. These were the most sort of like they're very well. They're they're almost nine panel grids um, without being nine panel grids at all. Yeah. But this was the most sort of like Watchmen of the Watchmen pages. Yeah, like the the twelve panel grids, I guess. Um, and there's one at the end where this one is four by three, and then there's one at the end that's three by four. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I like the twelve panel grids, but I also like sort of uh, setting up the uh, Ditko stand-in mm-hmm. um, as maybe the possible identity of Rorschach um, throughout this, or where they talk about. Uh, the comic artist who wrote the a pirate comic, which is very much so in line with, uh, you know, the, the the Watchmen universe, where you know superheroes uh, weren't very popular comics characters after they became a real thing. So co- pirates ended up being the big comic, uh, the big comic property that everybody loved. And then mm-hmm. I love how after that second one where you talked about sort of the tw- the second twelve panel, the next page. The right facing page you see a billboard for a pirate like blockbuster that's sort of uh like drawn to mimic sort of like superhero posters uh yeah i love that 
Yeah, and you also have all of the tales from the Black Freighter, would have been, yeah. which would have been sort of those uh, interludes in, in the into into the Watchmen comic, which is another nice uh, nice tie-in. But uh, how about uh, since since we talked about that, um, that takes us to near nearly the end, right? Yeah, that uh, does. We, and uh, but also on that page where I talk about the billboard, mm -hmm. you looked at the baked beans thing, um, and it's sort of scratched away. There's a nostalgia ad underneath it. Oh, wow. That's a cool sort of reference. Um, but also there's like references to like Frank Miller as a part of the seance. Yeah. Um, other other comic creators sort of pop up. So like we have, there's Frank Miller. Of course, William Myerson is the Dick Coe stand-in. Yes. Um, they, they, they do not hide that this is a very much so Dick Coe stand-in, which fits because Rorschach is based on the question or Mr. A, mm -hmm. which was Dick Coe's creation. And uh, very much so that character embodied uh, the objectivism beliefs that, that Ditko also went in for. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's a recluse. He doesn't really, he hasn't really had a lot of interaction with the, with the public for a long time. And even when they, they do the, they do the, the, the sort of the, the view of him sort of leaned up against the, uh, the drawing table where it's in black and white, it looks like Peter Parker. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah. So I, there's, I, yeah. But there's so, a lot of people on this uh, that talk about. Uh, so there's. So I guess one thing that's sort of hinted about with this seance is that maybe, uh, maybe is Myerson like maybe they're hinting towards a possession of something. You know, because there there's. He's listening to the record of a of a seance with Will Myerson and a bunch of other people, and they sort of they sort of uh, it sort of fuzzes out when you hear what Will what Will Myerson's who Will Myerson's trying to contact. And um, so I'm wondering if they're trying to maybe add in some sort of like spiritual, sort of creepy horror stuff going on. Like maybe that's a theory at some point that he's possessed by the spirit of Walter Kovacs or something. Let me let me ask you a question there. And this was this was something I was thinking of. If there was a comics creator who would like do seances and, and believe in sort of like bringing spirits in and chaos magic, who, who would that be? Oh, Alan Moore. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, like, good for, or, or Grant Morrison, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't think about that. Oh, geez, man. This book is <laughs> this book is going to be great. <laughs> like I'm, if. Oh, man. So yeah, if Frank Miller exists in this world, which in the Watchmen book, they have references to like, um, what's his name, Orlando uh, in the book. Uh, he, was, uh, he was like an older comics person as well. Um, oh, it was George okay. Orlando, maybe, I can't remember his name. Okay, um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember. They give like yet. an alternate history of him. And then of course the Watchmen TV show, they have a bunch of like, contemporary people sort of referenced in like you know what they do in this alternate world so yeah is is alan moore and what's what is alan moore writing in this world and is he just still performing seances with grant morrison or something like that that would be oh my gosh yeah this is my new favorite series yeah i i i, I really enjoyed it um i think that this is gonna be something that uh not shocking to to anybody who listens that this is gonna be something that we're we're breaking down issue by issue yep i i'm really excited to break this down it, it's 
Yeah, I love this this first issue. I'm 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 really happy with it. I, I'm I'm kind of happy that there's all the that. I'm hoping more people picked it up after the sort of the controversy with Jay Lee and Tom King. Mm-hmm. Like I always think it's always better when like there's some spice going or like around a book, you know. So yeah. like I'm really hoping a lot of people are picking it up, if not just to see what it's all about. But I hope it. I hope it's controversial. I hope it like I just hope people keep talking about it and people keep reading it as it goes. So, yeah, it's I think it's going to be good, though. Are are your feelings about the same? Yeah, I mean, the the excitement I had after the uh, the 2019 HBO show um, to, to, to tie this in and to be such sort of uh, you know, in the weeds of, of, of comics and to have all of these possibilities, um, you know, Dicko analogs, the possibility of, if we get Alan Moore, like, in this, like, in a couple of issues, I don't know how I'm going to handle that without my, without my tiny little head exploding, but uh, that would be, that would be a ballsy move if Alan Moore shows up in, in this. And Tom King's known for putting real people into his books as well. Like we just went over a strange adventures book where um, Seth Meyers was the talk show host. And, yeah. you know, like it's, especially in now his sort of like offshoot graphic novels, he's not shy from putting real people into his, into his books. And this um, is, and this is black label. So you can yeah. play with, you can play with a little bit more. So, Oh man, I can't wait. Oh gosh. <laughs> I, uh so. I mean, oh man, I'm like, yeah, the possibilities of that this book sort of gives. And I also love, um, I love that he sort of put a comics creator at the front and center of the story at the front and center of the mystery. I always mm-hmm. like it when comics do that. It's very, um, it's very Ed Brubaker of him to do that. Yeah. And uh, so I'm excited to see if he's maybe trying to draw on some, uh, some Brubaker influences in this story. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was a, I think that was a pretty decent uh, review of it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for, for more. I think it does everything a, a first issue should do. It, oh, yeah. uh, it, it sort of gives us an idea of what we're getting into. We're getting into a detective story, but it also teases us with a whole bunch of, with a whole bunch of, you know, loose ends in the mystery that we need to tie into. And for anybody who is like really, into into comics um into that 2019 hbo show it just sort of does so many things to sort of continue to to build on that so i i I think that's i think that that's pretty great and i'm excited to read more me too definitely cool so um yeah we'll uh hopefully in about a month's time we'll we'll be able to do issue two but uh, we'll definitely be back um so for anybody listening if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service that you use we'd really appreciate it if you want to follow the podcast we're on social media twitter is at construct compod uh instagram is constructing comics pod facebook and youtube is constructing comics and also um if you could check out the kickstarter for the great commandment anthology um noah and i wrote a story uh uh, called tablets and we like to pitch that as uh they live with ipads um and that's going to be on kickstarter for for about a a week uh to go after this recording Um, we're gonna have links to that kickstarter and our social media in the show notes but everybody uh 
uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please uh, be safe, be nice to each other, and uh, go out and uh, make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>